You know, a lot of companies don't understand the basics, the fundamentals, which is when we win, why do we win? And when we lose, why do we lose? And if you can understand that and you can and you can attach it to your sales process, you can really scale and deliver a lot of results. Hello to all our listeners. I'm Michaela Petty with TCU's Amplify Women in Sales, an initiative from the TCU Sales Center that extends to you and your story. We are a community dedicated to upskilling, empowering, and helping you reach your fullest potential. Kate Gutowski is a powerhouse of wisdom. She leads Amazon's sales enablement, training, and communications worldwide. She loves impossible challenges. And as you get to know her through this episode, you'll realize how important it is to be a business professional first, irregardless of your career specifications. How did you end up in sales? What drew you to sales at the beginning? Did you always intend to go there? Yeah, great question. Um, So when I was growing up, um, I really, I always wanted to be a journalist. I really was um, really more interested in journalism, but uh, my dad was like a VP of sales and marketing. And and he's like, Cato, I know that you think you want to do journalism, but uh, I think you'd be really good in sales and marketing. And so he just kind of planted that seed with me early and I remember when I was at GE, or I'm sorry, when I was at uh, University of Illinois as, as a college senior, and I remember getting my first job offer to be um, a journalist. And then I got my first job offer uh, to go to GE and, and to be on this technical leadership program. And, and I think the salary was like double. So it was also kind of an easy choice there too. <laughs> I love it. What happened next? Can you walk me through your career journey from GE to your next steps and how you finally ended up at Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. So I was recruited on campus by GE. And and quite honestly, I I really didn't feel qualified at all (laughs) for the opportunity. It was um, a technical leadership program. Funny enough, I was a lot of my friends, I was in a sorority, but a lot of my friends were engineers, ironically. And I remember they, they said, you're going to do that, you know, and like, how did you get that job? And, and what it was is um, GE was actually, I was the first non-engineer that they'd ever hired for this technical leadership program, but I, I wasn't even a business major. I was a speech communications major, but what they were looking for was they were looking for leaders and, you know, I was a VP in my sorority. I was president of student government. I was, I was, I was a leader. And so, you know, their belief um, and really, I just think I got lucky, but their their belief at the time was that we're looking for great leaders and we can train you to do whatever we want you to do. And we can you know teach you about what we, what we do. And so as long as you're willing to learn and you have that learn and be curious, you'll get it. But, but I remember when like, you know, when I got the offer and they sent me like a big stack of books and I remember it came to our, um, our house and I just started crying. And I, I said to my mom and dad, you can't make me go. Like, I don't want to do this. Like I, you know, it it was all about, um, things I had never heard of motor control centers, circuit breakers, transformers, programmable logic controllers. I mean, I just was out of my mind, you know, with fear. And, um, and my mom said, Kate, and and (laughs) I'll never forget this. She said, Kate, listen, they hired you for a reason. Yes you know, you are different, you know, yes, you don't know anything about this, but they hired you for a reason. 
and you need to find out why. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that gave me enough confidence to, to, to keep going. And, um, you know, once you, once you start something, it's really just about having a lot of courage to just keep, keep taking the next step. So that's what I kept doing. And what did that next step look like for you after that? Mm. The technical leadership program at GE was a two-year corporate training program. And it was four or six month assignments. And so you had to commit to moving, uh, you know, four different times. And it was great. You learned, you know, that you got exposure to all aspects of the business. So you started off in the customer service center. Then you went to, um, you know, a sales office. And and I got a chance to do inside sales in Chicago. And then, you know, I went to the headquarters in Connecticut. And that was really, I I got, again, I got really lucky. There was um, our CEO at the time. Um, We had like a, a lot of like commercial and industrial business, but we didn't have a retail business. And he really wanted to be in Home Depot and Lowe's. This is like back in the 90s, you know, 1997, you know, 1998 or 1999. You know, I just had a lot of courage. I just have always had a lot of courage. Like I just, there's like no challenge that I don't want to take. And so, and I'm really willing to like try anything. I I really am. And so I think if you kind of have that in your DNA, I think you're just always going to get a lot of opportunities. So being fearless, I think is really important. But anyway, so I was in the right place at the right time and I got a really like a, a, a very visible assignment and no one thought that they could do business with Home Depot or Lowe's. I proved that they could. It led to a lot of growth, which led to um, like the, um, then it became like their first account manager on Home Depot. And, and then I spent kind of like the next, you know, several years kind of, um, you know, growing in that space and um, taking on other roles like sales engineer and then, you know, kind of preparing, which, you know, prepared me to become a manager. Um, so kind of like leading the first team, you know, and I would say that um, what was really great about GE is that um, they really had like a general manager's mindset. And so what they did is they would, if, if they thought that you could really lead and, and, you know, ultimately become an officer, they would, they would expose you to a lot of different functions. And so I got a chance to do, you know, business development um, and marketing in Latin America. I got a chance to do like, as the internet was like just taking off, <laughs> you know, in, in 2000, I got a chance to um, become like an e-business leader. And, you know, that was like very early on. That was kind of, and it's very analogous to what I'm doing today. It was really working with IT and saying, this is what sellers need. This is what sellers want. This is what customers need. This is what customers want. So really kind of articulating requirements and specifications and like working with like IT, which was really engineering in a lot of ways, you know, to kind of bring that to life in in new tools for sales. And then just like along the way, taking advantage of like a lot of the great training and opportunities that GE gave me, um, being able to do things like becoming a Six Sigma black belt. And again, everyone back then thought that Six Sigma and process improvement was only for the manufacturing floor. Again, because I just have a lot of learn and be curious. I'm like, no, we can apply it to sales. Like we can, you know, sales is a process. And I love that. Yeah. And if we do it more efficiently, um, we can scale. And 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 when if we can figure out when we win, you know, a lot of companies don't understand the basics, the fundamentals, which is when we win, why do we win? 
And when we lose, why do we lose? And if you can understand that and you can, and you can attach it to your sales process, you can really scale and deliver a lot of results. That is amazing. So how did you end up at Amazon? as you are the global head of enablement, training, and communications at AWS. Yes. What do you do in your current role? Yeah. So um, in my current role, I, um, I lead um, a couple of functions, actually. Our sales training, our sales enablement, um, and also communications is what I'm leading today. We've been growing at a, at a really fast clip. Over the last four years, like we've doubled our sales force every year. So it's been a great time to come inside the company because cloud is really taking off and there's a lot of opportunity. But yeah, I spent like over 20 years at GE. I got a chance to see five different businesses, you know, all in different um, business cycles, which was a great experience. Got a chance to, was really lucky, got a chance to spend three years in Budapest, Hungary in what I would call kind of... That is so cool. Yeah. And really like cross-functional assignments, right? So running commercial operations and, and customer success and, um, and also running uh, product management and marketing. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in those cross-functional assignments. I actually believe the best sales leaders are, are actually the ones that have done the most cross-functional assignments. And the reason why is because, you know, if you think about sales, it's not about like selling, you know, that's not what we do. It's about consulting. It's about earning trust. It's about becoming the customer's trusted advisor. And the way you earn the right to become the customer's trusted advisor is you need to have diverse experiences. You need to think act and work like a business leader. And that's the kind of mindset that I bring to my existing role. I don't just own like the training, the enablement and the communications. I also own the technology that goes with that. So today, um, you know, that's a mix of some third-party software that, you know, partnerships that we have, and those partners are really important and strategic to us, but it's also building our own software um, to solve our own problems as well. And so we do a little bit of both. That is awesome. You view sales differently than most sales professionals I talk to. You see it diversely and all these different angles and with the technology side and the very fact that how do I get from A to B? And I love that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. And I think, um, you know, it really wasn't until I got my MBA that I really had, I think, enough financial acumen and enough business acumen to really be effective at sales. I mean, I... I noticed that after I got, you know, getting your, your MBA is such a great, you know, it puts you, it, you learn so many great kind of practices, you know, some of this is a little bit old school, but like just simple things like reading the Wall Street Journal every day, you know, reading the Wall Street Journal every day is like, it, it, it's like going back to MBA, to MBA school all over again. You just, a lot of these things that you learn about, you get to read about. And so it's forming those good habits. And, and, you know, the more you read, the more you learn, the more educated you are, the more value you can add. And it also, it helps you to see business cycles. And so when other people are panicked, you're not because you understand the business cycle. Leading into your current role as head of sales training, I know you implemented new technologies such as AI and machine learning at Amazon. Can you explain more about that and what all you're doing? 
you know, I, I, I can't speak to a lot of what we're doing um, because it is proprietary. But what I can speak to kind of generally is um, a lot of the experience that I have um, in, in implementing these technologies. So what I can tell you is, is that, you know, I think for any sales leader, um, it's really important for them to really understand technology. It's important for them to understand Techno, you know, the technology that their teams are using. And it's important for them to understand, you know, all of the capabilities that AI and machine learning can bring. One of the most important things I think is, is key, you know, for being effective in sales is you really need to understand the customer. AI and machine learning are, are really um, tools that can provide a lot more insight into customer behavior. You know, simple things, right? Like, you might have relationships uh, with one set of stakeholders, but AI and ML can help you to understand that you should have relationships with other sets of stakeholders because they are, you know, influential in the decision making. You know, I think a lot of times where folks go wrong when they're trying to sell something is they think that they're, you know, I think the, the, these old notions of thinking, oh, if I've got this one relationship, I'm covered. That's actually not true at all. What we see today, especially in like large um, decisions on, on cloud technologies like AI and ML and others is, and I think this is something that a lot of um, professionals take for granted in, in technology, um, but I understand this firsthand. What people don't understand is that when someone is advocating inside their company to buy machine learning or to buy AI or to buy a cloud technology, they are putting their career on the line. And the reason why they're doing that is because um, they believe that there's a process in their company that's broken and that these technologies can fix that. And so I think one of the things that's really important to to have is you have to have a lot of empathy for the customer and you have to have a lot of empathy for understanding that they really are putting their career on the line, um, you know, to, to advocate for this. And so how do you help support them? And, and one of the biggest hurdles that anyone who's, a, who's bought, I've bought a lot of AI and, and CRM and, and, you know, software over the years in a lot of different roles. And, and what I've learned is that it's, it's always harder to sell internally than it is externally. So the biggest gift that you can give your customer is to help them to understand how to sell internally because that's usually what their blocker is. So basically, the technology helps sales professionals do what they are good at at the end of the day, which is sell and connect with their customers. Yeah, I mean, look, um, there's a lot of great technologies out there today. There are technologies that can help that can help sellers, you know, use CRM more effectively. Um, you know, technologies that can help them capture more of the sales process and more data about customers in the flow of work. There's machine learning that can really deliver like a guided selling experience. You know, um, if you've got a lot of new hires like we do, you know, we need a guided selling experience. We need to help them understand, you know, what the next step is. And, and so I think there's a lot of ways to make your selling process more efficient um, and effective than it is today. So what should a young sales professional know when they are just starting their career? I think first and foremost, really understand your customers. You know, I think your most important job is to always understand your customer intimately. And, and you should know 
everyone, like my point of view, at least what always made me successful was you should make it your job to know everyone from the CEO to the janitor and everyone in between. And don't take anyone for granted. You know, even a reception, even something as simple as like an interaction with a receptionist is so important. I mean, every time you're interacting with someone, you're leaving an impression and, and people notice and, you know, and it's more obvious probably like when we're interacting, you know, face to face in our, in, in the world that used to be, but it's just as important as well in the virtual uh, relationships as well. I know you just went into your advice for sales professionals, but what do you think is seldom addressed in sales training, but vital to know? Ah, we kind of were talking about it a little bit earlier. I, I, I'm really passionate about this. At, at AWS, we believe there's like five key competencies that are critical to earning trust with customers. The first one is technical proficiency. And I think that kind of goes without saying, you know, um, a lot of what we, you know, this is a technical sale to both uh, IT but also we, we noticed that line of business is increasingly important. And so I think the second competency that I think is the most undervalued and underappreciated, but it's actually the most important, and that is business acumen. The more business acumen you have, the more successful you'll be in sales. Because at the end of the day, you know, one of my favorite books, um, and I'm, I'm good friends with the author, I'm probably a little bit biased, but one of my favorite books is um, Jeffrey Fox. He wrote The Dollarization Discipline, and it's an outstanding book. And I remember when I was at GE, he came and he trained us. And I, will, I remember that the way I sold and the teams I led were never the same again after I, after I read the book and after I took the training. It, it was the most valuable, one of the most valuable things I ever did. And the reason why was because what Jeffrey Fox really teaches you is about the value of what you have to offer. The more you can quantify your value all across the sales process, and you, know, you don't have to do it, you know, and, and you can do it overtly in... Um, like what you know, what he likes to call a customer value file, um, you know, that you share quarterly with a customer, really dollarizing all the things you do, you know, from the inventory you hold for a customer to, you know, the payment terms to, I mean, on and on and on. There's a lot of different ways to quantify value. You know, shipping on time, shipping complete. Like, there's a value to all of that, and the better you understand that value and can quantify it and can get your customer to really understand it, and and that that's a whole uh, you know we could talk for hours just on that. But um, the way that you get your customer to buy into that is all how you demonstrate value. I love it. Switching gears slightly, your LinkedIn bio. I did a little stalking. Yeah, you said you love impossible <laughs> challenges, yeah. and it makes you go game on. So how do you approach an impossible challenge? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, I think my current job is an impossible challenge <laughs> most days, right? I think um, you know, overnight, we, you know, my team and I had to figure out how to convert a lot of our a lot of what we do from you know in person to virtual and make it. And I told them, you know, the the, the customer satisfaction scores have to go up; they can't go down. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you got to innovate. So I think we're really trying to reimagine the way that companies train, enable, and communicate uh, to their sales, you know, to their selling organizations. Um, I think that, uh, and, and look, 
I, I have a belief that we can have, you know, a profound impact um, on the company. You know, this year we'll do $40 billion in sales. We've been growing at a, a tremendously high rate. You know, if we can drive 5% productivity, uh, that's $2 billion. You know, that's significant. You know, that was the last role I had in the last company. I was responsible for 500 people and a $2.5 billion sales number. Um, you know, as the, in my last role as a SVP of sales and services. So it's, it's, you know, it's significant, but, but it's all possible when you have the right processes and, uh, and you really have the right mindset around what can be accomplished, you know, by, by thinking differently. And let me get back to your question about, you know, impossible challenges. Look, I think, um, you know, one of the greatest gifts that my mom and dad gave me, and I, I think about this a lot, I have two young children, you know, um, my, my daughter's nine and my son is eight. And, um, you know, one of the greatest gifts that my parents gave me was um, just this belief that I could do, that I could, you know, they told me all the time, Kate, you can be or do anything that you want. And Michaela, I just believe them, you know? I just really believe them. And so I think that um, the greatest gift you can give yourself and your customers is believing in yourself. And look, you know, it's, it's, uh, you should just, shouldn't be afraid to fail. Like I'm just completely fearless. And, you know, sometimes that's to my advantage. You know, I'd say most of the time it's to my advantage. Sometimes it's to my disadvantage. I think I scare my team at times because I'm just willing to take risks. Like I'm willing to experiment at scale and I have a belief that it's more important to innovate. Like I'd rather fail while trying to innovate than keep things status quo and, and not make enough progress. Like I'm, I'm much more afraid of, of just keeping things status quo. Like to me, status quo is just frightening. Do you think design thinking plays a role in this? You mentioned it in your bio and personally, that was my favorite topic at TCU. If I can think of one class that changed the way I thought, that was it. Do you apply that often to your impossible challenges? Oh, absolutely, Michaela. You know, and that's kind of like when I talk about like cross-functional, like the importance of like doing these cross, this cross-functional type assignments to kind of grow and, and develop that business acumen. That's exactly what I mean is like taking on roles in marketing or product management. If I look back at my career, a lot of my you know, I'm kind of weird. I, I, I sort of have like three loves. Like I love sales leadership. I love product management and I love technology. And I love my job now because I get to apply all of those to my job every day. And so it's like, it's just heaven, right? It's just heaven for me. And then it, you know, this place changes all the time. We're in a fast place, fast paced industry and market and company, which is just oxygen for me. You know, I just, I love it. I love change. So, so, but to get back to your question, you know, design thinking, you can apply to a lot of different areas. I learned about design thinking and and design thinking principles through product management, because, you know, it's that whole notion of, um, you know, working backwards from the customer and designing, you know, really understanding, deeply understanding what they want you know, not just what they say they want, but observing how they work and, and kind of anticipating. It's about solving, you know, product management's about solving today's challenges, but also looking around the corner and looking into the future and, and anticipating future needs. And then it's really this idea of like test, learn, fail, and iterate and iterate again. 
until you get it right. And, and I'm, I'm really comfortable in that space. Not a lot of people are though, right? A lot of people like things that are very um, predictable. And so I think that's really important to know that about yourself as you're thinking about, you know, jobs and things like that. If you like a non-predictable, you'd, you'd like, you know, product management too. I definitely like non-predictable. I enjoy having many different things going at the same time, even if it makes me a little crazy. <laughs> then you'll love sales. Then you'll love sales and you'll love product management. <laughs> I'll look into that. So curious, since it's not really accepted and people are afraid of it, how do you create this atmosphere where failures and reiterations are accepted as a part of growth? Instead of people going, oh, I failed, they go, I found the next step of a great idea. Such a great question. So I will answer you by saying it's the role of the leader to create safe places where people can fail. And really where, and, and I think it's also your role as, as um, you know, when you've got to, everybody's got to take control of their career and you've got to land at a company where failure is okay. And, um, and look, even at Amazon Web Services, which is very progressive and very forward thinking, we still have to work hard to really make sure that people know that it's safe to fail and that it's okay to try and that not everything's going to work. And that, and, and, and what that looks like is for leaders, it means we've got to celebrate failure and, and, and it's important. Right. And I remember, um, I used to work for our vice chair at GE, Beth Comstock, who um, was also our chief marketing officer. And one of the things that she used to do is she used to really celebrate failure in a very significant way. You know, she, there's a great story about how, um, you know, she celebrated someone who, instead of spending $2 million, you know, spent 200000 and completely failed. <laughs> but she's like, but this is a win because you didn't go and spend the $2 million. You only spent the 200000 And I'd rather... that That's a better business decision every day. Like, let's spend 200000 and let's really learn rather than spending the $2 million and, and learning bigger that it didn't work. So That is a fantastic way to look at it. So how does a young sales professional grow this skill set, so to speak? How does she change the way she looks at a challenge? because it is a complete brain flip from what is usually accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think, um, I don't like to do anything the normal or traditional way. (laughs) So I love that. Same. I I like to do everything completely differently, which again, Amazon web services is the perfect place for me to work because that's how they are here. Like we, everything that Jeff Bezos has in our culture is a lot of it to me is designed to do the opposite of what every other company does. And, and a lot of times that can be misunderstood, but part of our culture here is that we're very much okay with being misunderstood. And I think that that's really important. If you're really going to be a change maker, I think you have to be very comfortable being misunderstood. But to answer your question about like, how do you grow these skills? Look, I, I think that... um Becoming a sales professional, you know, sales is one of the most important skills that any any leader can have. And, and it doesn't matter. I think sales is like, you know, the advice I always give to young people when they're thinking about, you know, what do I want to do with my career? You know, where do I want to start? What do I want to start in? 
And, and I get a lot of people that want to come and work for us, you know, in our function, you know, in, in uh, enablement, training and communications. And I tell them, no, absolutely not. We will not hire you. And the reason why I say that is because you're just not valuable, you know, to us. You're, you're actually not valuable to any company unless you have what I call line experience. You need to understand how revenue is generated, which is what you under, which, which is what you will learn in sales. You need to understand, I think it's important to understand, you know, another way that revenue is generated is by building amazing products and services. And so like to me, those are examples of line jobs because they are contributing to the bottom line. And those are the types of jobs that you want the bulk of your career to be in because that is what's going to help you understand the business fundamentals. And once you understand the business fundamentals, then you can go into, I would argue, then you can go into other areas like marketing or enablement, training and communications and have significantly more impact because you understand the fundamentals of how revenue is generated. I feel like sales is a great way to become a great business person overall and develop the skills needed to succeed. Yeah, just a great business leader. Yeah, it's just it's such a great foundational training. But but look, I mean, even if you don't use it in your career, you can use it with your family, you know? Like my you know, I use it I I use my sales skills with my kids every single day. There isn't a day that goes by that I'm not selling, you know? Um, and, and look, it's subtle, right? But it's, uh, you know, to get my kids to eat their vegetables, you know, you've got to appeal to them. You know, Matthew, I know you want to be the best soccer player you can be. You know, do you know what makes you great at soccer? You know, it's strong muscles and bones. And how do you get those? Well, you got to eat your broccoli. You got to drink your water. You got to get your sunshine and your exercise and, you know, all the things I want them to do. You know, Hannah, you know, my daughter tells me, mom, I'm going to get a gymnastics scholarship to the University of Michigan. Great. To get there, you've got to drink that milk. (laughs) You You know, all these things. So great skills. Great skills. If you could go back and give your younger self just starting out at GE one piece of advice, what would you tell her? You know, I think there's a couple of pieces of advice that I would give. Look, I think um, first and foremost, I think when I was um, coming out of college, I don't know if others still think about this, but you know what I thought about a lot was I had a lot of ambition and I wanted to be a business leader. And, but I also wanted to be a wife and I wanted to be a mother and I wanted to have friends and I wanted to be able to work out and do yoga. And, and I, I really wanted like a, a well-rounded life. That was really what I wanted. And at the time, I didn't see those role models. I saw a lot of women who were hard charging. They look like men. They talk like men. They were mean. They, they had husbands that stayed at home and didn't work. They talked about how the nanny raised their kids. I didn't want any of that. I did not want any of that. And I had had two parents. I was really lucky. I had two parents who um, they contributed equally. And, and, and they, there was a mindset of it's 50-50. We're going to both contribute. We're going to both have great careers. And we're going to both raise like these three great kids. And, um, and so I had just amazing role models. And so 
I looked around early in my career and I thought, this sucks. I don't want any of this. And so if you find yourself in that situation, you have to, so I still believe that there could be, that I could have it all in kind of my definition of having it all. And I just decided that number one, that I could do it. And number two, even though I didn't see other women around me doing it. And and by the way, along the way, I had a lot of people tell me a lot of things that I shudder at, right? Like I, I had one mentor that told me, uh, oh, Kate, you'll never get to executive band if you change your name. You know, you know, I was getting married and my husband wanted me to take his name, you know, and become, go from being Kate Munson to Kate Katowski. And she said, Kate, you'll, you'll never make it. You'll just, you'll, no one will ever know who you are. You'll, if you take his name, you know, they'll, they'll, no one will know you. And so it's just, you know, I think it's just like rejecting things that are ridiculous like that. And, and, you know, to be very fair, right. Um, she was giving me that advice because she generally cared, but also that was her mental model because that's all she'd ever seen. And so again, it's just like, if you believe that things can be different, if you believe that things should be different, then make it so. And so that's what I did. So I think my biggest advice is, is, is listen to yourself. And if you don't agree with something, if you want something better, take the advice of Gandhi and like be the change you want to see in the world and make it so. And, and that's what I've done for myself. And then once you do that, How do you pay it forward for others? I think it's really, really important. Kate said so many amazing pieces of wisdom, but it boils down to this acronym, BXT. First, business acumen. You must be a business professional first and a marketer or sales professional second. Any job you take, You need the same core foundations to understand how to make a difference and do your job well. Second, customer experience. You need to be able to take the data and analysis of numbers to leverage that information and create the best customer experience. Finally, technology. While most people usually jump to this part before business acumen and customer experience, Focusing on those before delving into this final step is exceptionally useful. Technology is just as important, but it is built on a strong foundation of numbers and customer understanding. Once you have mastered BXT, you are well on your way to the career of your dreams. Subscribe to Amplify Women in Sales wherever podcasts are found. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn. Just search Amplify Women in Sales and you'll find a community ready to amplify together. If you like the show and haven't already, give us a rating and a review. It helps more rising leaders like you find us, which widens this community's impact. This is a community of many voices, uplifting and inspiring. I'm Michaela Petty, and join us as we amplify.